Today we're going to talk about the world's favorite health topic, and that's how to keep the weight off. And there are so many approaches that people tackle, whether it's Atkins or South Beach or Paleo or low-carb diets or Jenny Craig or Nutrisystem, or the list goes on and on and on and on. And almost everybody's experience is we get pumped up, we try it, but then the fad diet kind of lets us down or we just can't stick with it. And then we end up sort of blaming ourselves and we get into this really negative spiral. We try again. We have another brief success followed by a humongous failure. And many people really just kind of give up. But there is a better approach, and we're going to talk about that better approach today. And not only are we going to find that the scale becomes our friend again, but there are so many other health benefits from losing weight in a healthy way. And in this program, you're going to learn how to melt away the pounds, what happens with a plant-based diet, what it does in your body. And today... Uh, we're going to be hosted by weight loss champion Chuck Carroll, who knows a thing or two about weight loss and weight management. He lost 275 pounds, and he has kept it off for nine years and counting. And you're going to love today's program. So here's Chuck. Thank you, Dr. Barnard. Stick around. I can't let you escape just yet because you are a world traveler and I need to hear all about your latest European adventure because you got the opportunity to talk about the health benefits of a plant-based diet at, of all places, the Vatican. And I'd be remiss if I didn't pick your brain a little bit about that. So stick around. Don't go anywhere just yet. But as you said, Dr. Barnard, weight loss is truly right up my alley. I lost 275 pounds. I'm five foot five. Okay. Five feet, five inches tall. At my heaviest, I weighed 420 pounds. That's a 66-inch waist and a size 6XL shirt. I was in my mid-20s at the time, and I could barely walk across the street without losing my breath and my chest tightening, and I literally did not believe I was going to live to see 30 years old. But I made some changes in my life, then later discovered a plant-based diet, and today I am healthy, I am happy. Nine years later, I am thriving, and I love the fact that now I get to talk about this for a living and help spread some knowledge and inspire people. If I could do it, you could do it. But today, we may be talking about massive weight loss, or we may be talking about just getting that beach body. Whatever the case may be, registered dietitian Allie Lunning from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, she's going to be here giving her top five tips for weight loss on the plant-based diet. Plus, we all know that fiber plays a big role in weight loss, but why is it exactly that fiber sends a message to your brain that says, hey... I'm full. How does that hotline work? Allie's going to tell us that. Plus, we're bringing Dr. Steve Niebuhr back onto the program. He's a little bit nerdy. He's going to get scientific and talk about exactly why people lose weight on this plant-based diet. I believe, you know, one study found that the average person loses about a pound per week when they switch to a vegan diet. Now, over the course of the year, that's not bad. That's 52 pounds. Pretty, pretty impressive. But before we get to all of that, I want to ask you, Dr. Barnard, about racking up those frequent flyer miles and taking the message of a plant-based diet to the world quite literally. Thanks for sticking around. Typically, we only get you at the beginning of the show and the end of the show, but here you are right smack dab in the middle of it, and I love it. Thank you, Chuck. You... Getting you on this show has just been an ordeal because you have just become this super world traveler of late. And your latest tour really piqued my interest. You went over to Europe and you spoke at a number of places, including the Vatican. Yes. How was that? It was it was a great experience, I have to say. Um, I first had some um, talks in Berlin. Um, there's a big conference there. Uh, and then I went to Rome. And I was invited to be part of a quite a big conference at the Vatican where the question is, what are we going to do about health? And what are we going to do about the disease burden um, that is worldwide, obviously? But our part of it was not just about food, but specifically plant-based diets. And Chuck, you should have been there. Um, Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, 
came over and he was the show moderator, kind of show moderator for, for our segment. And he couldn't have been more polite and more on target because he knew that our panel was coming up. He was moderating one before us where there were religious leaders all talking about religion and the role of religion and health. And Mehmet Oz was, was guiding them along. And he said, let me ask all of you, what is the role of religious leaders in promoting a plant-based diet? And I th- so they all suddenly had to talk about, nice, okay, you know, nice. how are we going to veganize the world? So I thought that, that was a very, very good and timely introduction. So then I came out and also Walter Willett from Harvard and David Jenkins from the University of Toronto and, and some other real nutrition champions came. And we made a really strong pitch for a plant-based diet. And I have to say the audience there was very, very interested um, in this. It was a new idea for, for, for many of them. But they were very much with us. So uh, what was the audience there? Was it just religious leaders or was it other medical people from around the world? Who, who was sitting out there listening to you? A huge range of people. There were religious leaders there. But I would say for the most part, they were people who were involved in various aspects of health care. Uh, in some cases, it was health care providers, um, people running hospitals and hospital chains, um, people having businesses that catered to their needs and um, trying to figure out how to work together to to tackle this growing burden of disease that, that we have. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, it used to be that we would think of diseases of poverty, uh, infections and so forth, and now uh, what the church has to deal with and what, um, what people like me who are not involved in the church, we're involved in, in medicine, um, have to deal with, which is diseases that come from food. And, and so, so anyway, I was really pleased that they brought that front and center. And exactly. So my big takeaway from that is how great is it now that we're at a point where people really are opening their eyes, opening their ears to these plant-based diets and exploring nutrition outside of what we've been taught since we were knee-high to a grasshopper. And they're, you know, pardon the pun, with the religious leaders there, people are seeing the light now. And I just think that that's so powerful. Well, I think they have to. Many people have felt that the church has been asleep. And, and I don't mean just the Christian church. I mean that religious leaders in general have been sort of asleep. When you look at, at their highest level, um, there are many people, many religious leaders who have been vegetarian and vegan. Uh, I'm, t- I'm talking about over the millennia. Mm-hmm. Um, but in modern life, um, many religious institutions have kind of forgotten about this. But they really need to bring it back um, because whether one approaches it from the thou shalt not kill standpoint, um, you know, your breakfast is a good place to start that, or stewardship of the environment, or uh, what's a kind thing to do to your kids, like give them healthy food. Right. Um, all of these are areas where the church ought to weigh in, but but they're just they're kind of like everybody else. Like, where do you get your protein? <laughs> they're still still trying to figure that out. Um, but I, I'm I, I, I'm glad to to see this happen. And I think if there were ever a time when this could be raised, it's under the current pope, uh, the current pontiff. He's after all named after Saint Francis, mm-hmm. who was known for kindness to all creatures. Yeah. that was. His thing. So I'm hoping that becomes the church's thing, too. Uh, your thing is traveling. So you're here for a few days, and then you're jetting back off to Italy. Is that correct? There's a um, conference in Milan um, that I'm speaking at. i got to tell you, Chuck, this is something I hope I don't make a complete idiot of myself. <laughs> because, um, because you know me. I'm a, I'm a doctor. Sure. I, know, I know about health. I am not a chef. I am not a really a food preparation expert. Um, so, but I'm bring, I'm going over to Milan, and I'm going to be on a jury. I'm going to be the Simon Cowell of a culinary conference. Oh, no, you're not going to play the heel here, are you? Because Simon Cowell could. You know, he was the heel in it. You you got um, too much of a nice persona going on. I have been told that I am supposed to let these chefs know, uh, kind of give them the what for if they have not performed properly and making a good vegan meal. Who who knows? Um, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm frankly I'm just glad that they're they're doing this and they're going to be talking about plant based meals and so I'm going to be on the jury. I'm also I'm doing a few other things too. Uh, I'm going to be kind of laying out what my idea of healthy ingredients mm-hmm. are, and I have some books that are in the Italian language uh, as well. So the country where formaggio is. <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, cheese for, for anybody who needs a subtitle. Um, and some unhealthy foods have uh, made their presence known. Uh, what I'm going to try to do is argue for those basic Italian staples 
uh, whether it's in a Mediterranean diet or a plant-based diet. Nothing wrong with spaghetti. Nothing wrong with the the chickpea and all those wonderful vegetables and fruits that are the basis of the Mediterranean region and Italy in particular. So I will give you a full report. By all means. And I'm sure that you're also going to be scouting talent for Carbon Works while you're over there. Didn't you get a singer from Italy? Naif Erin is her name. N-A-I-F is her first name. Naif. Um, And as a matter of fact, when I was at the Vatican, uh, Naif and I got together. And uh, she gave me a little concert of a new, uh, some new recording that she is doing. Uh, and uh, thank you for asking about that. If anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, go onto YouTube and look up Carbon Works. And you'll see all of our music videos for our band Carbon Works, including Naif, who is the most exciting singer on the planet. And uh, Anyway, it's, it's been really fun working with her, and it's great to see her when I can. And I will tell you this, um, having heard that song uh, plenty of times now, uh, if she were American, she would definitely win American Idol. You know, uh, hands down, she just has an incredible voice. And we'll also link off to those music videos at pcrm.org slash podcast. Now, you, you have a plane to catch, so go rack up those frequent flyer miles. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> You're listening to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. The weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, here with you. Apropos for the show, all about weight loss. And before we get going, before we welcome our first guest, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the show on iTunes if you haven't already. Give it a five-star rating. But beyond that, if you still have friends and family who ask a lot of questions about your diet, why are you plant-based, why aren't you drinking milk, why aren't you eating meat, we want you to use this show as a resource so if this kind of floats your boat tickles your fancy you think that this is something they should hear by all means please tell them as well to download the exam room this is a resource this is a wealth of information that we put out every single week here at the physicians committee we could not be prouder of it we just want to make sure that it is reaching as many ears as possible and doing as much help as possible out there So this week's topic is weight loss. Summertime is here, beach season right around the corner, and of course, everybody wants to be slim and trim when they're wearing their bathing suits out there soaking up the rays. How does a person lose weight on a plant-based diet? Well, to help me break all of that down is registered dietitian and weight loss expert from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center, Allie Lunning. Hello, Allie. Hey, Chuck. Great to have you back on the show. Again, you are one of the most requested guests because you are young, you are vibrant, you bring so much enthusiasm to the show. People just love you. You're turning into a regular rock star here. Well, I love it. Any, I mean, it's a win-win thing. I love talking about food. And any opportunity that I can get to get on my my food-shaped soapbox is great. Your food-shaped soapbox. <laughs> and what food would food. said soapbox be shaped in? Let's think. Definitely not rolling types. No watermelons. No, no cantaloupes. No. That would just... Need a let's, flat let's not food. go there. Need yeah. a flat food. Someone help. Yeah. <laughs> keep, it, keep it simple. Yeah. Block of tofu. Yeah. yeah. Step on my tofu box. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean... You know, as you and I know, that there is a serious obesity problem in this country. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we're at a point where two-thirds of the population is either overweight or obese, and a third is full-on obese. Correct. I mean, that is a staggering number. Yeah, and those are numbers that we're kind of trained to continue to monitor throughout um, studies of populations. So as we're kind of looking at where we are in 2018 – it's not getting any better. Right. I want to ask you about why people lose weight on the plant-based diet. We're going to have Dr. Niebuhr in here in just a little bit, Steve Niebuhr from upstairs. He's going to go in depth in the science of it all. However, one of the biggest reasons why people lose weight on the plant-based diet, in my humble experience, mm-hmm. having lost quite a few pounds myself, uh, fiber. Yeah. But What is it about fiber? We hear about this all the time. Mm -hmm. Why is fiber so filling? So the most important thing about getting more fiber and how it affects your weight loss is that it's actually going to make you feel full physically. Right. Whereas when other folks might use fiber supplements like, um, you know, powders and gels and things like that, those types and those forms of fiber are not natural they're not found in nature Mm -hmm. so you might consume them and your body's like 
all right, where's my breakfast? Right, right. But when you consume up to 40 grams of fiber a day, your digestive system, your body is literally too busy to give you signals of, hey, I'm hungry. I'm on a low calorie diet. Mm -hmm. It's just not happening as much because your body's occupied with the fiber. With those powders... are those soluble or insoluble fibers? I've always wondered that. So they're all, um, majority of them, I'm, unless something came out recently I'm unaware of, are soluble. So it will help to form the bulk. Right. But it won't help with the evacuation I, I was just going to say, so it's like that's why people take fiber supplements is thinking it's going to keep them regular. But if it's soluble fiber, you're not going to get that scrubber effect. Exact Scrubber effect. Yes. Everyone visualize. <laughs> yes. That's, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we mean. That's what's so good about a plant-based diet because you are getting that routine cleaning of your system so that your body can function in a much more efficient way. And the typical diet, I would imagine that with the patients that you work with, when they first come in, their diet is almost completely void of fiber, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Very, very low volume of fruits and vegetables, terrified of carbohydrates, um, and absolutely obsessed with protein. Mm -hmm. And most, most weight loss programs take advantage of that, which is awful. Uh, And so if they're obsessed with protein, odds are that means that they're either taking a protein supplement or they're eating copious amounts of meat. And there's how much fiber found in meat? Zero. There you go. And that's why if you eat the steak, you're probably not going to spend a whole lot of time in the bathroom for the next couple of days, correct? If you eat a whole lot of steak, you're stuck in the bathroom. well, hoping, <laughs> hoping something happens. Right. Please, God. <laughs> Playing on your, I was going to say Game Boy. Wow. Um, I meant iPhone. I, look, <laughs> Come I'm on. right there with you. I okay, get good. It. Playing on your game. Man, I used to love that back in the day. But that's a whole right, other show. A whole that is a show. whole other show. Mm-hmm. So they're coming in. Their diet is void of fiber. Not a whole lot of fruits and vegetables yeah. and legumes in there. So give me an idea of what the menu is after you've given them that advice. What do you tell them to eat? So some of the first things that I'll encourage folks to do to increase just their plant, the plants in their diet Mm -hmm. uh, would be to look at their breakfast and see what types of cereals that they are comfortable starting to incorporate. So if somebody's been on a low carbohydrate diet for a very long time, they might not run to whole grain English muffins, but starting to do some Cereals like oatmeal, starting to add things like blueberries, which everyone knows at this point are good for our health sure. uh, for many reasons. Um, and then from there, they can start to get more creative with that dish. So then they can start to do things like whole grain toast with some um, slices of banana and some cinnamon and maybe some nut butter, maybe kind of going into their lunches. A lot of patients that I worked with were so busy that lunch was horribly inconvenient. Mm. So if that sounds like you, one of the easiest ways that you can start to soak up some of the benefits of this high fiber plant-based diet is to just make those baby carrots more available. Grabbing the things that are easy to store and making them accessible to you and just in your eyesight at a regular on a regular basis. So it sounds to me that you're then baby stepping people in the right <laughs> direction. You're not just having them dive like right into this whole bucket of cold water. You, you'd yeah. Say, okay, well, let's dip your toe first. Absolutely. See what you see what you can do first, and see the things that you like. I mean, a lot of folks might come up with um, some concerns that they don't like certain fruits or they really don't like certain vegetables or you know i've heard absolute i've heard everything from allergies to um intolerances to different fruits and vegetables but the bottom line is that whatever you like just double it up could that intolerance also be that the the gut microbiome is off a little bit Yes. I I mean, a lot of times on this show, I think we've referred to the gut microbiome Mm -hmm. and I agree with that. And I also think of the digestive system and the tissue that lines your guts. It's it's smooth muscle tissue. So if you, let's say, just started to run and you haven't ran in a year, you're going to be sore the next day. No doubt. Ouch. Yeah. 
So the same thing goes with your guts, your tissues in there. They have to get warmed up. And so if you just go for the marathon right away, you're going to have some of that discomfort. So it's really important with patients and with, with all of y'all and, and everyone who is looking to add more plants to their diet to be mindful of that and take it nice and nice and easy, but go for the gold. Now, there are foods that you can eat that will be very low in calories, and then there are foods that most Americans are eating that really jack up your calorie intake in a big, big way. Specifically, I want to talk about meats because you shared a graphic and a study with me recently that just blew my mind about America's love affair with chickens. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, what is this? I mean, Hasn't it like increased some exorbitant amount in not too long of a time? Yeah. So there's data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. There we go. And they found that in it, that chicken, in the the intake, um, it rose from about ten pounds per person per year in the early 1900s to sixty pounds per year in the early 2000s. Mm. And that's a six-fold increase. Now, wait, 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 wait. Six. Here, here, here six. it is. Here it is. Here it is. Wait for this. I love this. This is my favorite and, and actually most horrifying stat I've ever heard. How much chicken does America consume every minute or every hour? Every hour, Americans eat about one million chickens. One what? million chickens per hour. That's 24 million chickens every single year. And chicken, whether it be dark meat or white meat, you know, beyond the fact that that's a carcinogen, but that's really calorically dense, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when it comes, you cannot separate the saturated fat from animal tissue. It is just, you would have to use a lot of food science to figure that out. And by the, at the end of it, I'm not sure if you'd really want to be eating it. So another graphic that we're going to, we're going to put that chart up, by the way, on PCRM.org slash podcast. Um, you did a presentation recently that actually mapped that out. And yeah. it was amazing to me like it was completely eye-opening and jaw-dropping and i was like okay i heard that number and that's a big number but then to actually see that represented on paper it was like my god and the reason i show that graph is because comparatively the increase of sugar mm -hmm. is is not as is not as significant as this increase in poultry intake yeah. and cheese and beef and these animal products but we're pointing our fingers at all of these sugars um, mm. for obesity and for contributing to weight gain. Right. And if you ask somebody what's the first thing they did when they tried to cut weight, very often they're going to respond with sugar without really knowing that this data exists. Yeah. You know, I, I had somebody close to me in my family recently say, uh, you know, Chuck, I think that you've got it all wrong. You know, it, it's not about cholesterol. It's not about fat. It's not about calories. Mm -hmm. It's about sugar. And he like literally was telling me how sugar thickens the blood and all mm -hmm. that. And I'm just kind of like looking at him. I'm like, man. And he's very, I love him to death. He's just one of those guys that's kind of closed minded and, and doesn't really want to hear it. And yeah. that's okay. You're right. going to encounter people like that. Absolutely. And that's, that's also a big part of the reason why I do this podcast is because I feel like in addition to speaking to the vast amount of listeners who are very knowledgeable mm -hmm. about these things already, I also am talking directly to those people who are just hearing about this for the first time. And those people are the ones that get so much out of this show. That's great. You know? Yeah. I just wish I could get him to listen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. So we were talking about uh, caloric density, obviously chicken, saturated fat, right, more right. calories than fruits and vegetables. Nine calories per gram as far as the fat goes and can't separate that from animal products. Right. It's just more calorically dense. And, absolutely. Yeah. And then another thing that you had in your presentation that I thought was fascinating was a chart, or actually is a graphic, and it showed what a stomach, what 500 calories looks like in the stomach based off of various foods. And it is incredible how much you can fit in there with produce and, and fruits and vegetables and legumes. And I love saying that, you know, but yeah, compared to, you know, like fried chicken or something yeah. like that. And I've, I've officially used that image to illustrate this subject for I just counted six years. Mm. And when I first started to use that graphic, I did not consider myself a plant-based 
practitioner. Right. I, I wasn't following any type of um, you know dietary pattern in particular, but these are facts. So right. this information that we're going to hopefully you'll, you'll pull it up on our um, Web page and you'll get a view of this yourself. You know, if you have 500 calories of of fried chicken mm-hmm. or of meat, right, you're going to feel it. You know, it's there, but it's going to digest and it's going to move on and move out of your system slowly one of the slowest (laughs) other than fat you know proteins digest considerably slowly but when you add things like those fibers from grains and beans and then you slap on some fruits and you tie in some vegetables there is literally sticks Right in your stomach, that your body will more have more of a reception of sensitivity to you. You will feel that physical fullness, mm-hmm. and hopefully you've taken your time to chew that up, right. you know, nice and nice and well, good ten to fifteen minutes to consume that volume. The longer you're chewing that food, the longer you're going to be digesting that food the longer you're going to feel full. Absolutely. And the less likely you're going to feel the need to kind of graze and pick throughout the day. And that's where that we get in trouble with the high calorie um, snacks, um, you know, chocolates and things like that. For sure. In office setting. <laughs> One of the things that really stick out to me, we talked about meat, but then at the very beginning, oil. And I mean, literally, there is a drop of oil and the rest of the stomach is completely empty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is just so eye opening, yeah. you know. So that's why. You also got to be careful, I suppose, when you're eating the salad. I'm sure that you've heard about this. You know, if you coat it in dressing, you're taking an otherwise really healthy food, and then it's kind of as bad as eating that fried chicken, eating that hamburger or cheeseburger, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. in terms of just calories and fat. Yeah. I mean, what we really want to do is try to enhance the flavor of those vegetables. So mm-hmm. if you're making a salad and you want to use some flavor enhancements, if you take a, even a small amount of dressing, a couple, like a spoonful or two, or you use some lemon juice or some salsa, my favorite trick is to thin out hummus with lemon juice. Ah. And then it's like a creamy dressing with very little effort. Oh, I'm so going to bite yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That is a good... Okay, so what kind of hummus? <laughs> like any kind or just regular? I, I change it up, but okay. usually, I'm, I'm pretty strictly garlic hummus kind of girl. Okay. Um, so that that's usually the one. I'll do garlic lemon and... Oh, at Wegmans, if you're in the area, Wegmans has a lemon dill hummus that oh, is p- look, quite good. So how thin do you make it? I mean, do you make it like regular salad dressing out of a bottle so you can kind of pour it or yeah okay yeah so i'll put the i'll put like two spoonfuls of hummus in a bowl uh like you know servings about two tablespoons it's my my um you know my i'm recovering from calorie counting self um you know put two spoons of hummus in there and then squeeze a half a lemon or put a splash of lemon juice in the bottle until it's pretty much the consistency of what you would expect to see from a ranch dressing that's in a salad bar but you are using considerably yes, l- less oil than actual salad dressings. When For I used sure. to work in a restaurant, again, another great, fun, visual experience I got to have was mm-hmm. watching the gallons of oil that I would pour into these dressings for them to meet the desired consistency. Um, yeah. So anyway, to validate your <laughs> comment, it does take something that was healthy and kind of flip it inside out and backwards and call it turn into a hamburger in some some way shape or form but yeah i i have never even thought about that i'm so gonna try that and give you a full report um good 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 uh, you mentioned like being a recovering calorie counter and here's another thing that i think that a lot of people don't realize about switching to the plant-based diet is essentially and this is so big i mean this is bigger than any any weight loss program you could ever possibly want to go on wait for it No calorie restriction. Right. Yeah. Why? When you have that volume of dense plant-based foods in your diet, you will get that signal that you you are full. Mm -hmm. And so the the tendency to kind of push those limits and to overeat and exceed your you know what would estimated what would be estimated to be your your calorie needs is is difficult. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. If you follow a whole foods plant-based diet and you wake up every morning and say, I'm going to eat 
fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains, and you stick to it, there is a very small chance that you will exceed your calorie needs. And the fun fact, I think, is that if you if you do tend to, like if we were to count them, that your body is using every single one of those calories to <laughs> help with your digestive right, health right. and to move things out of the program. So your body will use all that energy because it knows what to do with all of sure. those things. It doesn't know what to do with a lot of those of, of, of processed ingredients and animal foods. And I know that there are a number of disadvantages to those traditional diet programs that you see out there that you pay these crazy monthly fees and then have to pay for the food. Yeah. But I think one of the big reasons why they do calorie count is so they can you know tell their patients that, hey, you can still eat your cake. You can still eat your yeah. pizza and things like that. Right. And it's so just – It's at this point in my life, I will tell you it's, it's counterintuitive. Right. I, I just don't understand why – why? Well, tell me why. Yeah, yeah. There we go into a whole other area of our relationship with food and right. our experience with food and how it affects our our mood and all that other, you know, kind of those more those more individual like, mm-hmm. things that you know really attach people to their foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something to know, I think, very much with a plant based diet is that if you're following this, like. 80, 90, 120% of the time, you know, some days are going to be good. Sure. And some days are not. Right. We're all human beings. But if you spend the majority of your time with that in mind, that this fiber is fuel and you will remain satisfied and full with a plant-based diet, then when you do have those experiences where there's cake or there's cookies available it might not be something that you actually want. Right. And your perception of that food changes to, will that help me or will that hurt me? How many times do you hear a person say, you know, I ate it and then it was just, it wasn't all that I thought it was going to be? Yeah. It's, it's that immediate regret. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty typical. Um, your Your body changes after a period of time. And when you start to eat for your health, um you just you know if you if you if you feel well eating a certain way and then you get off of it and you start to feel lousy you're only you, you can only tell yourself um you know which way was the right direction to go all right well uh stick around uh we've got dr Niebuhr waiting out at the wings he's basically beating down the door saying that he wants to come in and and do his segment now so we're going to have him on because he's impatient but he's a good guy okay. uh but then uh said doctor Impatient. See what I did there? <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to come back. I want to ask you about uh, healthy protein sources that are not meat, uh, because again, that is the biggest question that is always asked. Uh, matter of fact, we have a full show devoted to the protein myth coming up in a few weeks. So uh, just keep that in the back of your Got mind. Uh, but then I also want you to, uh, everybody loves the list. I want your top five weight loss tips Got as it. well. Um, so stick around. You're listening to the exam room brought to you by the physicians committee. You're continuing to listen to the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. As promised, who was beating down the door quite literally is Dr. Steve Niebuhr from upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I was silently beating down the door. You could always text me. You've got my number. I did, actually. Did you really? Yeah. Man, I'm just like the worst person in the world today. Uh, no. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's just kind of forget about all that and talk about weight loss. That's kind of the, right. uh, the topic du jour. Allie and I just uh, covered a lot of it from the nutrition aspect, but yeah. I, I wanted to ask you kind of as a physician, I want you to kind of walk me through how it is that you kind of broach this subject with your patients and you kind of explain the benefits from a doctor's standpoint sure. of going on a plant-based diet because for you, like weight loss is, you know, that's wonderful, but it also comes with a whole host of other benefits. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is always to make sure that that's actually one of the goals of the patient. I would imagine it's got to be number one, right? Wait. Like for people coming in, it's got to be close to you the would, top. You would think so. Not you know, not everyone is aware that they have weight to lose, as odd as that may sound. Mm. Uh, some people are perfectly satisfied with the weight that they're at. Um, it may not be considered in the quote-unquote healthy category based on the government standards. Um, but some people say, no, I'm happy with my body the way it is. And, you know, that's perfectly fine if, right. that's, if that's what 
you know, if, if that's how things are. Right. Um, but there are some medical benefits to achieving a healthy body weight. Right. So what comes along with it? Well, so you're actually going to lower your risk for heart disease and for some types of cancer from going uh, or from losing weight, going from obese to a to an ideal or to a healthy body weight. Um, also, it's easier on your joints a bit. If you think of the joints kind of as like shock absorbers, um, I tell my patients it's like if you put a lot of stuff in your trunk of your car – not to use the junk in the trunk joke or anything, but it's in there. Um, but if you put a lot of stuff in the trunk of your car, the car is going to be sitting down a little bit lower because there's more pressure on the shock absorber. So, um, so sometimes people complain of joint discomfort actually when they when they have a little extra weight. Are people really aware when you start talking to them and and maybe you ask them what it is that they're they're eating? Are they really aware of how many calories they're actually consuming in a typical day? Uh, often not, and that's a great question because I'll tell you. I tried it recently. I used one of the fitness tracker apps uh-huh. where you can measure calories. And I was surprised to learn just, you know, how many calories I ate for breakfast. You know, just having a bowl or two of cereal could be a couple of hundred calories. Um, and that's, you know, that's plant-based. Sure. Um, but still can have quite a few calories in it. And then when you go throughout the day um, – Lunch and dinner, obviously, are full meals for most of us, so that adds a lot more calories. Um, and it can be kind of surprising and somewhat enlightening also at the same time. Typically, in Barnard Medical Center, the dietitians will do a, a diet recall or, or food recall diet journal um, with the patients. They'll go through it, and they'll analyze how many calories are in there and, and point out sources where people may be consuming more calories than what they expect. Riddle me this, Batman. It seems like <laughs> maybe this is a common sense question, but... Calories equal energy. Correct. That's kind of what they are. But why is it then if people are losing weight, they go on a plant-based diet, their calories are cut, why is it then that they get more energy? Break that down to me as a physician. Why is it that that's happening? Oh, man. I, I feel like you've asked somebody else this question, and you just want to hear my answer as a now, physician. I have not. That really? literally just came off the top of my head. All right. Well, here's here's what I will tell you Yeah. from not exactly off the top of my head. Okay. I've had this question before. I'm taking a deep breath. Your body, because <laughs> it's a little, it's a little involved. But your your body primarily burns carbohydrate for energy, mm-hmm. right? You have three choices, and I think I've said this on this podcast before. But everything you eat is made up of either carbohydrates, fat, or protein. Right? Those are the three building blocks. That's all you get really to build up. You know, for the most part, there's also nucleic acids in there for you scientists at home. Um, but for the most part, let's just think of it as, <clears throat> excuse me, as carbohydrates, protein, and fat. So we primarily burn carbohydrates as our fuel source, right? Right. <clears throat> excuse me. Right. You need a sip of water? Uh, I'm doing okay. Okay. Just uh, finished eating an apple. Maybe there's still a little bit left in there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we primarily burn carbohydrates. When you switch to a plant-based diet, you often increase the percentage of carbohydrates in your diet. Mm. which is now almost like giving yourself more energy, right? Right. A lot of times people will say, I need more protein for energy, but our bodies really don't burn protein for energy. They can. It's possible to do, but it's not their preferred fuel source. Right. So the standard American diet tends to be heavy in fat and heavy in protein, not so heavy in the in the carbohydrates except for like simple sugars from candies and sodas and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of those simple sugars are just burned up really quickly. Whereas in the plant-based diet, you have fiber in there, which is a complex kind of long chain of sugar. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while for that to break down. And so the energy release in your body is more gradual and sustained over time. So instead of being burnt up right away, it's a more gradual, almost like campfire of energy. Uh-huh. Look at that yeah. with the big smile yeah. on your face bringing the knowledge. Look at that. How did I do? Was that good? That was pretty good. It made good. sense? Yeah. Right. You always make sense. People love it when you're on the show <laughs> because you have those junk-in-the-trunk type analogies. <laughs> you somehow take something that's super complicated, throw in a couple of fancy words for the science nerds, okay. but then like completely explain it for the layman. You know, And that's kind of like I was just talking with Allie about that. That's the purpose of this podcast right. is to be able to, not only for the geeks out there that are all about nutrition, but for people that want to share this program with yeah. somebody else who has questions or a family member who you think could benefit from this knowledge, that's what you bring to the table, man. You're but, able to take it and make it simple so everybody can understand. I will, I will take that as the best compliment I've heard today. Good. Good. And and you know what I think, too? If, if people are listening to this and I'm losing them and they don't know what I'm talking about, I think I'm failing at this job here. Yeah. 
Nah, impossible. All right. You got too much energy, man. All right. Um, the other big one, when I'm sure you're talking to patients, do a lot of them come in and they say, well, I'm overweight, but my whole family's overweight. I'm at a genetic disadvantage. They do. I hear that from time to time. Um, and there's that nature versus nurture. I think that's mm-hmm. what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Is it your genes or is it the environment? Right. And and we often talk about this obesogenic environment. You know, it's the environment that's making us fat. Um, and and to some extent, it is. If you drive down the the road, you see all the fast food places and you know the donut shops and all that stuff. And those are really calorie dense foods. And if you eat that often, you're going to gain a lot more calories likely than you're burning. Sure, more than you're burning, and so that's going to contribute to increased body weight. Um, but the thing about families is families that live together, often eat relatively the same amounts. And so if your other family members are gaining weight and you're eating the same food that they're eating, you're probably going to be gaining weight as well. Right. Um, if you're eating something different than the rest of your family, maybe you'll have some different uh, outcome. And that's that's what I love about these epigenetical studies. I yeah. think that that's the that's the right word for the non doctor. Sure, that out sure. There. Epigenetics. Yeah, uh, is that you know if you have two twins, right? Yeah. You know, one that eats that diet you were right. just talking about, the fast food diet, yeah. versus one who subscribes to a plant based diet and really you know is careful about what it is that they eat. Yeah, you will have a three hundred pound twin versus a one hundred fifty pound twin. Sure, it's and, definitely it, possible. Right? Yeah, and these are identical twins. Right. So. And, that goes to nature versus nurture. Sure, yeah, and, and and there there have been some genes that have been associated with obesity. So it's not to say that genes don't play a part at all. Right. Um, but w- the way we like to think about it is they they kind of make you more likely for something possibly. Right. But they don't they don't guarantee it necessarily. Right. Kind of the same deal as eating a plant based diet will make you less likely to get cancer. Uh, you know, even if that runs in your family, but sure. you can reduce your risk. Right. So I would assume then that you're saying that this is kind of the same thing. You can reduce your risk of being obese. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always tell my patients I can never guarantee anything 100% or 0%, um, but it's all about having the odds in your favor. You know, if you have the lowest possible risk for heart attack and for cancer, that's pretty good. But unfortunately, it's never going to be zero, but you can get close. Um, the the recommended BMI is what these days? Uh, for round numbers, we say 20 to 25, but it's it's technically 18.5 to 25 okay. or to 24.9. Right. So uh, technically, if 25, that's does that fall in the overweight category? Yeah. So that would put you overweight. 25 to 29.9 is is the overweight category, and then obesity starts at 30. Gotcha. Yeah. As that, as a physician, how alarming is it to you that two thirds of this country uh, are categorized as either being overweight or obese? <laughs> <laughs> How alarming is it? I mean, it's it's a problem. Right. You know, it's it's not good for health. Uh, it costs uh, a lot of money in the healthcare industry, and also for various industries. There, there's associated illnesses that go along with obesity and decreased health. There's lost uh, productivity from work. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's problems associated with it. Uh, last thing I want to uh, wrap it up with this because I know that you do have patients upstairs again um, is medications. Uh, you know, if you're overweight and God knows I was in high school and I was put on blood pressure pills for, you oh, know, man. I'm telling you, man. But that was kind of the coolest thing for me was being able to come off of those medications once I started to lose the weight. Right. And uh, that's got to be pretty rewarding for you to see your patients like one by one coming off of those pills. Yeah. I mean, it's great for me, but it's even better for the patients. Right. You know, I mean, you had that experience, yeah. right? So just being able to go to your doctor and your doctor says, you don't need this medication anymore. Yeah. Your, your blood pressure's improved or your cholesterol's improved or whatever the issue is, is, is fantastic. Like that's the goal. Right. You know, you shouldn't have to stay on these medications forever. Right. Um, and to use another analogy, I tell my patients, it's like if you get a flat tire driving, you don't keep the spare on forever, yeah. right? You fix the tire and right. then you, you put the other one, you put the, you know, the real one back on. Right. Um, so I think of health kind of in that sense. When there's an opportunity to fix something and to reverse disease, do it, you know, do everything you can to, to get back to good health um, and get off those medications. And real quick, I think that you do, we had talked about this previously, maybe on another show, you kind of have to be careful when you switch to that plant-based diet and you start to come off of those medications because you're going to need less and less. So correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. like you, you can start to feel kind of funny if you're taking too much blood pressure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, if you're, if Let's use your case, right? You said they put you on blood pressure medicine in high school? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. But so then you start losing that weight, and now your heart doesn't have to work so hard 
So the blood pressure will come down a little bit. And now if you're taking medication in addition to losing weight, you're going to bring the blood pressure down even more. So you could start feeling kind of lightheaded, a little bit woozy because your blood pressure is too low. Right. And so in that case, you, you cut it back or you, you stop it altogether. Um, and so for anybody out there who's experiencing something similar with improved health through hopefully a plant-based diet, talk to your doctor, talk to your nurse practitioner, whoever is prescribing the medication. Uh, let them know that, hey, I'm improving my diet. I'm getting more healthy. Keep an eye on me. Um, so if somebody comes in and, and yeah, so just keep yeah. an eye on me. So if somebody comes in and they are switching over to that vegan diet, but they are on that medication, how often mm-hmm. do you encourage them to check in with you? Uh, it depends. If they're making really fast progress, like they, they come in and they go 100%. They say, from here on out, I'm only eating plants. I'm going to eat the healthiest, you know, most healthful food that I can. Um, we can see changes sometimes within a week or two. So right. I might have them come back pretty quickly. Uh, other people, sometimes it's more gradual where they make just kind of small changes and mm-hmm. it takes a little while. So, you know, it could be a month, it could be two months. Um, typically, at first, I'll see people more regularly, you know, right. and I certainly encourage them. Uh, by saying if anything changes, like if you start waking up feeling lightheaded, you know, give me a call or come into the office. If anything's going on, I want to know about it. Self-monitor a little bit. Right, exactly. You know, it doesn't typically sneak up on you. Right. You know, you're not going to wake up one day with a blood pressure of 150 and the next day it's 60. Right. 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 So so it takes a little while. All right, man. Well, uh, again, I know that you got to run, so we're going to cut you free. I've got uh, Allie sticking around outside. She's going to come back. She's going to give us her top five tips for weight loss on the vegan diet. Um, okay. Everybody loves those lists, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top five this, top five that. People just can't get it up. It's like clickbait. You see it pop up on your uh, on your favorite Shh, website. Don't <laughs> give away the secret. All right. You want to hear something real quick? Yeah, by all means. I, got, I, have like, I have a couple minutes. Okay. I'll tell you that the whole secret to weight loss. Yeah. All right. Let me sum it up. For anybody who's for anybody who's listening, and I hope there's a lot of people, get a, get a little closer to your headphones. <laughs> <laughs> if that's possible. <laughs> All right. Here's the thing, right? Think of it this way. We don't ever tell anybody to eat less. Right. We just say eat better, right? And if you take that to an extreme and you say, I want to eat as much as I want, but I don't want any calories, that's water, right? You can mm-hmm. eat as much water. I mean, really, it's drinking it. But you can eat as much water as you want, and, and there's no calories. Right. So you'll fill up. But there's no calories, so you'll lose weight, right? So now think of calories as picture in your head like a, a bucket full of calories, which is kind of a ridiculous thing, right? But if you wanna if you wanna start mixing water in, you're basically diluting the calories. Hmm. Right? You following oh, along? Oh, right. So the foods that you want to eat are the foods with the most water in them, because that's diluting out the calories. So when you look at what foods have the most water in them, it's vegetables. Right. Really, I mean, vegetables, I once heard somebody describe iceberg lettuce as like the water of the plant kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like essentially zero calories in there. But when you look at your, your, your vegetables primarily and your fruits, they're mostly water. I would, I would think like especially pineapple. Like yeah, pineapple. That, like that is just I mean, all juice. Watermelon. Yeah. You know, people are going to argue and say, oh, there's sugar in them and stuff like that. But when you compare those fruits and vegetables to things like your meat and your cheese and your cookies and cakes and all that, there's no comparison. Sure. I mean, you're if you did the same thing with cookies and cakes, if you just put it in a vat of water and now you're – I mean, it's getting gross. But you're just drinking like cookie-flavored water, it would have the same effect. You could dilute down the number of calories. This is the science background. I mean, this is years of chemistry right. and physics and biology. Um, but really, the goal is to consume mostly water if you're trying to lose weight. There you go. You know, if you have issues with water, if you have heart failure or something like that, it gets a little more complicated. But, And I'm not telling people just drink water to lose weight. Right. There are water fasts, and that's a whole other show, different topic. Yeah. But eating fruits and vegetables that have a lot of water in them is diluting out the number of calories. Right. And so you can eat really essentially as much as you want. So there has been a book out there called The Secret, very famous. I think that you need to release The Secret Part 2. Yeah. The secret to weight loss. Will do. Yeah. So just in my, what, what did that take? Two minutes there? Two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. If you can just eat those low calorie density foods, you can really eat as much as you want. Nobody gets excess weight from eating too many apples or too much broccoli. It's impossible. Matter of fact, we talked about that last show. I think we did, yeah. yeah. All right, Dr. Niebuhr, thank All you right. as always, my man. Always a pleasure. All right, go see him at the Barnard Medical Center. Right now, uh, take a quick break. Uh, Ali London coming back on the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee.
The Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Thank you, as always, to Dr. Steve Niebuhr. He's always fun on the show. He loves doing these things. You know, he was telling me recently, he said, uh, I want to be the co-host. And I said, well, Doc, you got patients. How could you possibly be a co-host? He's like, work it out. Hey, that's the attitude. That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) That's a lot of pressure there. Yeah. A busy guy. What, what, you want me to actually like go upstairs and tape this in an actual exam room? Is that what you're asking? Wow. Me? The exam room podcast in an exam room? Yeah. We could just dress up the set. I mean, we got some new fun tchotchkes here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're getting glam here. We can make it happen. Nutritionist, dietitian extraordinaire, Allie Lunning from the Barnard Medical Center, back with us now on the exam room. And we were talking earlier about um, protein and how we need to come up with some alternative protein sources that's the biggest question that ever gets asked matter of fact uh, i visited my weight loss surgeon my bariatric surgeon not too long ago and i was telling him i hadn't seen him in a little while Mm -hmm. i said well you know doc i went vegan and and i'm telling you (laughs) without missing a beat his first question was can you guess it where'd you get your protein bingo yeah i was like doc all right let me let me try to explain this to you as best as i can and Mm -hmm. i like walked him through i was like you get your protein you know Broccoli, you know, beans, grains, like, yeah. brah, it's everywhere. You don't need the meat. And this guy's been practicing for a long time. Yeah. And he had no idea. I mean, that's just not information that he would need to regularly use. Right. As, you know, he is a, a man of of excellent talents with his, you know, surgical skills. Yeah. That's That takes a lot of brain capacity right. to right. to know how to do on a regular basis. And I mean, that's, I, I like to think that that's why I have a job. That's that's why they hire dietitians. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but here's the cool part. Like, he was genuinely interested. Yeah. Like, he, he did not poo-poo this. Yeah. Like, he, he wanted to know more. And so, like, I'm going to bring him in here and show him around and give him the intimate tour and like have him sit down with somebody you and and you know we'll grab a doctor and you know maybe even dr barnard you know and and just kind of have a round table and open his eyes so it'll be like his own personal icnm conference you know yeah then maybe my surgeons can come down from jersey yeah i'm telling you let's do it i'm telling you let's open the open this door it's already we already cracked the door open right so it needs to happen we're gonna keep absolutely pushing it all right anyway we're getting sidetracked (laughs) here um so protein yeah how do you get it if you're not eating meat real quickly again this is a resource for people um who are just hearing this for the first time or you want to share this with friends and family if you've already heard this consider it a refresher all right alternative sources of protein are well, the fun fact is every living thing contains protein. So every, li- every living thing is made out of amino acids. So therefore, in accumulation, you know, in a well-balanced, you know, if, you've, if you're meeting your calorie needs on a plant-based diet, then you are meeting your protein needs without really having to add significant amounts of supplementation or increased stressors of sure. what to be eating. So, but some of the foods that kind of rein in higher on the list, like bananas have protein, but it's only one and a half grams. Sure. Um, so things like brown rice, you know, for a half a cup is about four grams of protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, for most beans, about a half a cup might range from anywhere from five to nine grams. Right. For half a cup. Um, and of course, the, the denser beans like lentils and some of those little tiny um, split peas, those are going to be denser in protein as well. Uh, but if if beans aren't really your thing in the moment in time, I actually just had this conversation with someone yesterday and we were, have you seen these whole grains lately? They've started to I've become a lot of whole per- grains. very popularized. Uh, teff, kamut, Spelt quinoa. Yeah, quinoa sounds no, like that, I'm saying yeah. a different language. Yeah, uh, are we talking Latin? Is this right? One on one. Yeah, these whole grains. Yeah, the the what makes them so chewy is not only that they have a large dense amount of fiber, but also they have a wide amount of different amino acids and proteins in there as well. And quinoa is a complete protein, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll be talking more about that on the protein mm-hmm. show, but. 
that's why I like the quinoa. Yeah, yeah. It, it can really be a, a nice thing to have uh, when you're a little riced out or you're not really looking for another bean dish today. <laughs> right. So if you, you know, so even there, but there are other like plant-based burgers that aren't necessarily bean-based, aren't there? Yes, actually there are. There are, I mean, at this point, there are things called the impossible burger that my sister tried right in front of me. I wish I taped it because she's, she's still, consumes you know typical um you know animal products and so i was just looking at her face like what is this going to look like for her and she liked it oh um i mean so these impossible burgers are made out of uh, soy protein and some of some of them are made out of um yellow pea protein Hmm. so either way you cut it they're made out of beans but they took a ride through some Product manufacturing right. L- techniques, a little bit processed, a little bit of science went yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, but most of them are a bean substance derivative, um, or there are actually some hemp protein burgers that I've seen, like hemp seeds. I've not seen those. Yeah, um, Hillary's just a name drop one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so uh, you know, it, and even Shoprite and Aldi's have some really good veggie burger options that I really like to encourage folks to try. Interesting. So you know, cor- correct me if I'm wrong. Before we get to your weight loss tips. Even if you go the convenient route and you pick up those frozen veggie burgers and they have been processed, like you're talking mm-hmm. about that, still better than going through a drive through and getting a cheeseburger. Absolutely. 110%. Because that that cheeseburger that went through the fast food, um, f- food manufacturing environment has so many different toxins that in our body, we have a really difficult time metabolizing. Right. Whereas we can at least look at a plant-based veggie burger and say, all right, so I didn't chew that bean. It was like a pre-chewed bean. Mm -hmm. But at least the oils and the ingredients that are in there haven't turned rancid and become inflammatory. So... Yeah, I, I do. I do think that it's it's much healthier uh, comparatively, and even these beyond meat like fake chicken strips, and they have these Gardein products. Very and, familiar with Gardein. Yeah, um, I would say that when when folks are truly eating plant based diets, like for their health, of course, it's best to avoid using them, like in isolation. Sure. But as transition foods, and for you know when you are out to dinner. Yeah, it's nice that these things are available, and you feel like you had kind of a, a well-rounded meal. Right, it's like you were talking about baby stepping with your patients earlier. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is a good baby step process. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, I know that you've come up with uh, here at the Physicians Committee top five tips for weight loss on a vegan diet. Yeah. So uh, let's roll it out. I mean, like I said, beach season right around the corner. Everybody's going to soak this one up. Give them to me. All right. Number one is to fill up with fiber. If you Shocker. If you got nothing else from this, fiber is the driver for this. I, I aim for about 40 grams per day. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is to eat your greens. It isn't just enough on a plant-based diet to do your beans and rice. And, you know, that's all good and wonderful. But you've got to load up on the spinach, the kale, the Brussels sprouts, the cabbage. If you're not into it, go for some coleslaw. Add oregano, add cilantro. All those green leafies are going to add, they're going to boost the potential for this food to give you a lot of benefits. Absolutely. The third thing for weight loss, weight management as well, is just, just plan ahead. Even if it's one step in front of yourself, if right now, let's see, it is this, it's the afternoon. So I, I ought to start thinking about what I do have available for dinner Mm -hmm. so that I know that, Hey, if I have nothing in my fridge or if I really don't feel like cooking the thing that I planned on cooking tonight, that I have an alternative choice, Right. that I'm not going to put myself in a situation that I'm going to be eating through through a drive through sure. or you know any type of situation like that um and even if i am traveling like if you, you can think one step ahead of yourself you can think of what is available where you're traveling i know oh yeah so i'm i'm doing some traveling here in a couple of months and uh, already the first thing i thought of when i was booking my hotel is what is the proximity to the grocery store grocery store and does yeah. this hotel have a refrigerator in the room yeah this year on easter i was in a i was in a hotel room in window rock arizona um, 
um, eaten a can of chickpeas with sweet potato that I cooked in the microwave and frozen vegetables. There you go. I've got a picture. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that was number three. Plan ahead. Um, number four, shop for the nutrition rainbow. Mm-hmm. I know we started with green and really emphasizing that, but don't forget those orange colors, those yellow colors, red colors, purple colors. One of the things that I remember learning distinctly in culinary school was to never give your chef a brown plate. Mm. You got to add color to it. Okay. okay. I can see that. Don't give it a brown plate. Yeah. Well, this class in particular was traditional European cuisine, so everything right. was braised and brown. Right. So <laughs> you had to add color to it, but also for weight loss and for knowing that you're kind of meeting those dietary guidelines – you can be sure that you're getting a wide variety of vitamins and minerals uh, from getting those different colors. Different kind of uh, nutrition values for regular cauliflower versus purple cauliflower? Um, I mean, so that is not something I can actually give you a confident answer on. Yeah, I've always wanted. That's okay. I, <laughs> I mean, think it's I can genetically modified. The purple? Um, I, I, I think. I know that I'm not, you know, I'm not... And I'm not the best source of information on that. But Gary, the guacamole guy from where I worked at Whole Foods, would have been a really good resource. So if you're listening, Gary, please. (laughs) Gary, the guacamole guy. Please. Man, that sounds like a cartoon character. Um, Okay, so that's for – by Uh, the way, if anybody knows the answer to the purple cauliflower thing, please tweet at PCRM or at Chuck Carroll, WLC. Let me know. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, we're open. I I really have no idea. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Last but not least. All right. So the last thing is to hydrate. Mm. That's the missing element for a lot of different, um, um, you know, when folks start to increase their fiber intake and they start to go plant-based and they start to, you know, maybe notice some changes in their digestion, you've got to water your body. Right. You are a flower. True or false, I was taught, one of the earliest diet tips I remember hearing was like, if you think you're hungry, sometimes you're actually thirsty. Is that is that true at all or is that just like hokum? Oh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that to anybody. Right. Um, but I would say that if if somebody knows for a fact that they're not drinking enough water and enough in my book just from working in in, in clinical settings was always forty eight to sixty four ounces a day. Mm-hmm. If someone's not mit- getting that mark, get there, then check your hunger signals. Now, are you one of those that? believe that you have to get 48 to 64 ounces from actually drinking because there are some also that have the thought, well, there's a lot of water contents and food. Mm -hmm. If you're eating a large amount of raw uh, non-starchy vegetables and fruits, then some of that can be assessed to be included in that 48 to 64 ounces. But I think that you are always at a advantage if you aside from your food are drinking making sure that you're drinking at least 48 ounces of of water a day i'm i've just uh i've just come to think that there you go <laughs> so that uh that is why you lose weight on a plant-based diet uh ali thank you for being here uh thank you to dr niebor do you have more is there something? oh i just i just i have this comparison of of gardening Right, because it's gardening time. So thinking about the food that you're adding to your body is your fertilizer, and you got to water it. Mm. Water your body. Okay, I like that. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I know you're closing up. I got excited about watering your body. (laughs) Right on. All right. So, Ali, uh, thank you for encouraging us to water our body and sharing all those tips. Uh, Very cool. We're going to put all of those up on PCRM.org slash podcast. So go ahead and click over there and you can actually download this image and pass it along Mm -hmm. to uh, friends and family. Uh, Thank you to Dr. Steve Niebuhr as well. We'll be back with another program next week. Uh, But now to really take it home, Dr. Neil Barnard. Here at the Physicians Committee, we study the best ways to lose weight in clinical research trials where we bring in people and we help them and we, and we see what happens. And we're also studying what happens in the body when people make changes to the way they eat it and what it is that these foods do to their metabolism and to their appetite so that they can, can get the weight off. But there's one other side of this, and that's what happens to your outlook, your, your attitude, your sense of success. Here, here's what I'm talking about. A person does a diet and they don't do so well and they think, gee, 
On TV, it looks so easy. Why am I struggling? And we find that we're lured to foods and we can't break free from that unhappy love affair with foods that don't love us back. And you end up having this sense of failure. Anybody who's dieted over and over again, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you're doing okay, but then you, you have trouble with it. And we don't blame the diet. We blame ourselves. I've got lousy willpower. There's something wrong with me. The people in the TV commercials look so good. And this negative spiral bleeds into other aspects of your life. Like, I don't have good willpower. Maybe I'm not a good spouse or not a good parent, or maybe I'm not a good employee, whatever. This negativity that comes from having trouble with diets spills into other parts of our life. And I want to leave you with this thought. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. There is a lot wrong with diets that say, starve off the weight or don't eat carbs. These are crazy things that we've got to just avoid. There's nothing wrong with you. There is a lot wrong with those diets. And if instead we eat healthy plant-based foods, the vegetables and the fruits and the whole grains and the beans, they help tune up your metabolism. They help get your appetite in better check. And the success that you then have will start to affect other aspects of your life. I can do things. I can fuel my body with healthy foods. I can feel strong. I can feel fit. I can feel good. Maybe I can can succeed at other things that I try. So take advantage of a plant-based diet. All the side effects are good ones. Have fun.